shift happens. I can't! I can't! Hello beautiful people, welcome back to the Shift Happens podcast. Today on the show, I had the pleasure of sitting down with Jack Nagel from Real Drug Talk. Jack was on the show a little while back, really wanted to have him back for round number two because I feel like we only scratched the surface in our first chat. Also, we spoke about a lot of the stuff he's doing now, um, You know what he's been up to in the last six months or so, his experience of running a cafe in Moorabbin, and now him getting back into the drug and alcohol recovery space and starting to help people with some really cool online programs that he's got at the minute. So we dive into all that, and we also spend a large majority of the pod- podcast just talking about drugs, basically drugs, drug policy, uh, a bit of a hot topic at the minute, pill testing at festivals, we dive into that, uh, and a whole heap of stuff about life and being curious and all that kind of jazz so guys please enjoy this chat today if you haven't already please subscribe to the podcast it would mean so much just on your app that you're on now hit the subscribe button at the bottom and if you have time give us a five-star review only takes a minute or two and really helps the show that is all from me here is my awesome chat about drugs and all other stuff with jack nagel from real drug talk Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to the Shift Happens podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Hassan. Today on the show, I'm sitting down for round two with Jack Nagel from Real Drug Talk. Jack, what's happened to me? Oh, good to be back. Um, thoroughly enjoyed it last time, so thanks for having me back. No, it's good to have you back, mate. Yeah. It's been like, I reckon it would have been six months or so. Yeah. So surely there's some stuff to talk about in that time. Yeah, a few things. Um, I think last time I was here, it might have been six months or maybe even a little bit longer. Um time flies these days but yeah i think I um, it was a bit longer yeah um i think i was still doing the cafe at that time actually so yes you were that's changed yeah. <laughs> i'm not doing that anymore um yeah and i've sort of found myself um just how it happens really isn't it just back in the alcohol and drug helping space i, I suppose you say back into alcohol and drugs no. <laughs> <laughs> my mum wouldn't be too happy <laughs> That's awesome. We'll get into that because I'm interested in some of the stuff that you're doing at the minute. Just take us back to the cafe. What was that experience like running the cafe? Uh, what did you learn in that process? Because I imagine <sighs> everyone's got this idea that running a cafe is like, yeah. oh, that'd be, I'd love to run a cafe one day. It'd be easy. Yeah. Oh, I had that idea too. <laughs> and I was, that's the first thing I learned. Can you shatter some people's illusions? Yeah, here? for sure. <laughs> so, um, well, quickly, the backstory about getting the cafe was that, uh, yeah, somewhat a big part of my um, journey to getting into recovery and get, getting, you know, clean and off drugs and whatever. Um was living a more healthy lifestyle and getting a little bit into healthy food and spending a lot of time in cafes and gyms and stuff like that. So an opportunity came up and my girlfriend is studying um, naturopathy and loves food. So an opportunity came up and we got the cafe and I had that idea exactly. Oh yeah, I'll just flog a few coffees and a side bowls. Because it was part of the gym as well. That's right. It? Yeah, yeah, it was in the, in the corner of a gym and um, it was a good little setup actually because it was still on uh the street like there was street access so we'd still get a lot of people from around the area coming but yeah i just thought it was going to be really easy a couple of coffees a couple of acai bowls not too hard at all and oh and 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 working with the missus like that'll all go oh my god nice and rosy as well it was actually um probably (laughs) one in the last seven years since you know i always say 
early on, like my addiction's probably been one of the hardest times in my life, but that is nearly second, I reckon, yeah. um, for all those elements that you just mentioned. And uh, Carolina, my uh, fiance, would say the same. Um, it was incredibly difficult. We uh, fought like cats and dogs. Yeah. Um, but yeah, um, we we're kind of talking about it a little bit before with with uh, the Melbourne Centre of Healing, or the Centre of Healing these the days. Centre for Healing. The Centre for Slight Healing. change of name. Sorry. <laughs> um, yeah, just like it's so cool to look back on the different memories that you have and all that kind of stuff. And from going through harder times, I guess, you um, you grow. So anyway, we did that for a couple of years, built it up and um, ended up selling it, which was really good. So I still actually one day would really like to do it Um on a bigger scale because we sort of did like a grab and go health we're in more of a workers area so yeah so we it did. wasn't like more of a sit down kind no, of place. It was, no yeah. it was more grab and go so i'd love to one day when i have a bit more capital behind me try and do something a bit bigger um a because i like drinking coffee and yeah. being an idiot and going and sitting in there and whatever so yeah um but yeah it was very very hard i, I just that's one of the biggest things that i learned is that with anything you know there's this whole amount of years that you have to have behind it to kind of skill yourself up to do something successfully you can't just jump in and think that think you're gonna anything <laughs> that you do like that that's that challenging if you have a growth mindset as yeah. in like well whatever this is pretty fucking hard but i'm going to learn from it yeah then you will learn a fucking heap that's right in yeah. a short amount of time yeah like i reckon I, I know a lot of people who've studied you know business and business yeah. management and all that kind of jazz and they can study that for four six eight years yeah but you know six months of running their own thing they're like holy shit i learned so much more that's <laughs> right this time that's right and yeah so that's the biggest thing is that um, that I took away from it though is that you know I, I would still feel pretty confident if I went into another cafe you know that I could kind of go in there and hit the ground running and sort of run the joint because I've had the experience of yeah. learning it and like anything I believe that if you can have the experience in some way it's 10 times better than yeah. reading it in a book or yeah. whatever yeah because <laughs> then you're like I can handle this I know it's going to be fucking hard that's right but I can't I've done it before that's right <laughs> and so, you guys had a pretty cool I we had a, a Shift Happens podcast networking night. When was that, like November or December? Yeah, when was that? Start of December, It maybe? all blurs in these days. It's yeah, crazy. Yeah, but we had a really cool night. Got everyone who's been on the show to yep. meet each other and connect, and um, that was really awesome. But I think, I don't know if you were telling me or someone else, did you have some sort of cool marketing gimmick or something? Yeah, so we um, – and actually I, I was really lucky because we are in um, sort of the gym, but there was – the guy that um, uh, owned the overall building, you know, is pretty much like an old school businessman, done really well for himself. So there was loads of businesses in there and everyone in there was really pro kind of growing things and business and all that stuff. So there was there was never uh, any shortage of awesome ideas. Yeah. Um, and someone started talking about um, putting pink bikes or they saw somewhere on like a guerrilla marketing forum about putting bikes out in the city or whatever. And I just thought we, at the time we'd first open and we just had no idea about how to get people in the door um, at the rate that we needed. And I thought oh, I was willing to do anything. So I just thought I'll give this a go. And there was actually a used bike um, store around the corner that was selling like broken old bikes for a couple of bucks. Meant to be. And I literally went and rented a trailer and I literally over the time bought about 50 bikes and a huge amount of pink spray cans <laughs> sanded them all back one night and painted them all pink i was up all night um 
and yeah, we left him out on the street. And uh, we had mixed reviews from yeah. the community, but it worked. It really worked. So we got flooded with a bunch of people and sort of everyone know, knew who we were. Um, so yeah. did you have your cafe details on the bike? Yeah, yeah. So we printed off a bunch of like flyers and tied them up on the bike. Um, and yeah, there was like at one point, <laughs> there was, was one. Sh- just on like nature strips or yeah, something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We just like, I chained them to the side of like trees and poles and stuff. And um, But with a bike lock? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, it was a it was a bit of an exercise. I tell you what, it gave me a good workout. But yeah, it re- I was amazed. It really worked. Um, but it was funny. We had mixed reviews. We had one guy come in that he, he'd like cut the bike off a chain, and fair enough, I guess, because there was one street where I literally every pole on the street had a bike attached to it. Um, and yeah, he came in and threw it threw it down in the middle of the cafe. He wasn't happy. Um, he brought it in with him. Yeah, yeah. We had to we had to ask him to leave, and the police came and everything. It was a bit of a scene. Um, who would have thought? Just a little health bar, it's you know, the in the kind of in yeah. the corner of a gym, but. On the flip side, the positive stuff, which I like to concentrate on, there was heaps of like little kids um, that came in and started, you know, because we did all healthy food. Um, yeah, really wanted to come in and the parents were wrapped because they wanted to come and, uh, you know, eat our healthy food instead of a yeah. chocolate milkshake or whatever. And, um, and they were like, hey, mom, dad, that's the, this is the pink bike place. That's right. Yeah. Um, and then, but the party ended uh, when the council <laughs> severely threatened us with uh, legal action if we didn't go and remove all the bikes. How long so did that take for them to kick up a sting? It was actually pretty good. Um, yeah, this is something that I've learned actually. This is a big thing that I learned is that um, I hope no one listening to this is from the council. I d- nothing against individual council members. but No, no council people listen to this show. They're banned. Okay, They're allowed to. awesome, awesome. Well, I hate the council. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, they, they're good. They serve their purpose, but I just think sometimes it's a bit ridiculous. And um, As in over the top? Over the top, yeah. over the top. Um, and yeah, so I actually had read up on all the bylaws um, and there was a bit of a grey area. So I was able to really argue the point with the council officer and put it through a bit of a process of a few months before they said, no, this is 100%. I think they even had like changed the law or something. Um, and sort of turned it into a technicality about so it wasn't because yeah there's all laws around like um, reasonable marketing and advertising and all that kind of stuff obviously because they want to keep all the money coming through there and get all the rates for it so but yeah they ended up pinning it on us about um, storage on um, yeah council property which is apparently what we're doing with the bike so but it was good I managed to hold it up for I think it was nearly three months that's Um, good yeah yeah and they weren't happy with me Uh, I'm, I, I think I'm known to Kingston Council. The pink bike guy. <laughs> By name, you know. <laughs> uh, there was a few other things. But you kind of have to do that when you have those physical location businesses. You sort of have to push the Especially limits a Especially if bit. you were, you know, in that industrial kind of part of Moorabbin. That's right. It's you to let people know that you're there. That's right, like, yeah. That's a fantastic tactic. Yeah. Trying to turn downtown Moorabbin into Amsterdam for a few months. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Yeah, so it was really cool. It's it's actually, now that I talk about it, yeah, there's heaps of fond memories just coming up. It was, it was awesome. And it was really needed for me at the time, actually, because... Um, and I think I spoke about that last time, but I'd just come off the back of working in, yeah, like big rehab centers and just feeling conflicted and stuff within myself and probably pretty burnt out. So 
um, it was awesome to have a change of industries completely for a couple of years and sort of uh, reconnect with myself and find Absolutely. myself and all that stuff. So, yeah, it was really good. Was and you really got good. that out of it? 100%, 100%. Yeah, it was so good. Like coming back to doing what I'm doing now, I just feel like 100 times better and just, um, yeah, that's the main thing that I learned. Like there's no point in doing anything if you can't sort of lay straight in your bed at night, you know. Um, you got to be able to live with yourself at the end of the day despite what other people might think and whatever so um yeah that was that was um that was a really good time so yeah i'm, I'm so glad that i did it <laughs> that's awesome mate and uh another bit of big news since you're on last engaged engaged yeah so um oh talk about learning um being in a relationship as a normal human being yeah. <laughs> um but yeah lovely went to byron bay i was actually <laughs> i was telling ryan before i um balls it up as I always do I uh it was nice but we went to Byron Bay and I was planning to do the proposal on top of the lighthouse and um which I ended up doing and you know I was trying to time the sunset and all this kind of stuff um and I start driving up there I think it was like quarter past seven or something that the sun was going down and uh yeah we started getting to the top and I know like it's always busy up there but I noticed wow there's like heaps of cars like double parked everywhere and you can barely drive up the hill what's going on and we get to the top of the lighthouse and there was literally like i'm not even pumping it up there was literally like 2000 um 18 year old kids just smashed on top of the lighthouse just setting this romantic scene beautifully that's right that's right and i, for- I totally forgot that it was schoolies <laughs> so byron for the last kind of few days that we were or for the first few days that we were there was the last few days of schoolies and everyone was going nuts so I, again, did a... Jeez, I hope anyone doesn't think less of me. It's starting to become a theme, all this little bit pushing the limits a little bit, but I did this... Uh, I cra- think it's a great quality. Yeah. <laughs> Crazy sort of illegal park. I thought the hire car was going to tumble off the top of the hill. I was anxious as um, turns out that Carolina, my... Um, yeah, now fiance knew that I was going to do it, so um, I could have relaxed a little bit, um, and she was trying not to laugh apparently. But yeah, and uh, rushed up the hill, and then we'll tr- and then I was trying to find because we didn't end up going right up the top, obviously. Um, and I was trying to um, find a nice little spot, and yeah, we're r- kind of half running up and down little um, hills and stuff on the on the mountain there. So, uh, but. She said yes in the end. That's so all that matters, got the result. That's got the all result. That matters. Were you down on we one like. knee? Uh, yeah, down on one knee. you yeah. got to go down on one knee. <laughs> and uh, got a bit of a Bronx cheer from some of the schoolies. Oh, so really? that was good. Um, <laughs> yeah, we had people taking photos with us. And yeah, so yeah. it was nice. It oh, was that's nice. good, mate. Yeah. It all worked out fine in the end. That's right. Any uh, date plan for the big day or just sort of taking that as it comes? We've got an engagement party. Um, Geez, weddings are expensive these days, aren't they? Um, Tell me about it. I've had one. Oh, yeah. Um, and yeah, so we started looking at it. I think maybe not um, not this year. Yeah, we're in 2019. <laughs> not this year, probably the year after. So yeah. um, don't know an exact date, but we've got an engagement party in about a month. So yeah. I think we're going to try and book something after that. But mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a bit. It's for me. It's um, kind of that time in my life, those two years where 
everything happens at once. House, probably kids, getting married, new cars, whatever, you know, all that stuff. It's kind of crazy. So, Maybe you're uh, a lot better prepared than a few years back, right? Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez, I don't know how I would have done it. <laughs> I don't have to worry about yeah. it. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's awesome, mate. That's awesome. And I'll talk about what you're doing now. Obviously, you working in some of the bigger bigger rehab centers and that kind of thing you were pretty burnt out yeah needed to focus on something completely different to try and renew yourself yeah. which has now happened yeah so what's what's the focus now well so it's been really cool actually it's um happened organically so um and that's why i love what you guys do here as well but it's one of the biggest things that helped me to actually i guess have some trust in professionals and stuff when I was seeking help um, because that I was lucky enough to meet people that were yeah working in the rehab that I went to and yeah they'd actually been through addiction themselves and that was just huge for me and it wasn't so much their stories it was them being able to intimately describe to me how I was thinking and feeling and explain to me that it was going to be okay and all that stuff and yeah I always look back on that really fondly and I just feel super lucky that that was my experience because I know everyone doesn't have that so um, yeah it's happened kind of organically I've been able to start doing a lot of like professional work with um, uh, yeah kind of like business to business if you like or with government and policy stuff which has been awesome because um, being able to kind of push that message a little bit about trying to get um, lived experience workforce up and running and happening and um, respected and all that kind of stuff um, in the public sector so yeah that's been really really cool and um, yeah like we've always sort of done I've always been really interested in the media and this kind of stuff like podcasts and having people sharing their story and um, some of the media I've done yeah just been overwhelmed with the response that we've got from families and users and just how it allows people I guess to feel a little bit more comfortable to break through stigma and all that kind of stuff um, and reach out and ask for help so um, yeah, we've for a, a little while intermittently, um, but now sort of more permanently, we've been doing like interviews um, with other people with recovery stories and just people that have been doing interesting stuff in the space and whatever. Um, and yeah, there's um, been a lot of people that have been messaging us, um, you know, like privately on, on Facebook, which is great. Um, and it just got to the point where it was kind of overwhelming in the end. And I was like... Oh, wow how can we actually um how can we actually yeah kind of help people and just bridge the gap a little bit and get them interested in some recovery or getting some help and stuff because yeah that like as you would know um here and um from your own experience like uh it's a pretty big step for someone to um kind of come out and go yeah I want some help but then kind of commit to going to a rehab for three months or whatever it is it's just really hard for people 100 percent. yeah there's like a it's like there's a big canyon like in between yeah okay i'm over here with an issue and then actually taking the steps and committing to get help and there's just it's a huge gap in between those two yeah and like how do you then assist someone in getting from one side to the other that's right maybe in the the fastest or least painful fashion that's right because there's a lot that can go on from getting one side to the other that's right and there's not a lot of resources out there to help people bridge that gap yeah and like it's just um yeah you're completely right and 
I think um, there's a lot of people that actually don't get help because of that reason that probably could have um, if there was a bit more stuff like like that out there. So, um, yeah, we... people don't understand what else... It's just, just... That's right. There's one type of rehab and that's that's the rehab. And then that's right. most people will put off that until things are really bad or they're court ordered or something like that. That's right. Without knowing what other options are out there. That's right. And yeah, I'm a firm believer in it as well is that, yeah, you don't, you don't actually have to get to that point either where you're just like homeless on a park bench or what it like. Sure. uh, People do, but you don't have to get to that point. I think it's really preventable. Um, And I I completely agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. It's like we, we, a lot of people like, Oh, they just haven't hit their rock bottom yet. So they probably have, but, but there'll be a, there'll be another one around the corner. It's like every every rock bottom is an opportunity yeah. to then find a path to, to healing That's or right. whichever whatever it is for you. That's right. And if you don't take that path, then you get another one, whether it's a few weeks or a few months down the track. Yeah, and it'll be worse. That's right. There'll be another one. There'll be another one. There'll be another one. I had that many rock bottom yeah. moments, <laughs> and none of them were like this kind of thing where I just woke up the next day and I'm like you know, horrific kind of stuff. And I'm like, yeah, I'm going to stop. <laughs> it just, it well, was, yeah. I did that, but I did it about 50 times. That's right. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Oh, this is it. This is my rock bottom. Never again. Hour later. I know. I know. Well, who was that guy an hour ago <laughs> looking himself in the mirror? I don't know that guy. Yeah, that's right. So yeah, it's just, um, it actually, I, I get really sad about it because I think, yeah, so many people, um, just go through kind of unnecessary suffering yeah. and, yeah, we we're talking a little bit about it um, before we kind of went live on on the recording here, but yeah, that which is really cool and and which is again why I love what you guys are doing, what other people are doing is I feel like there's this real shift because in the um, addiction treatment space, it's been really kind of one minded for a very long time, um, I guess because you know addiction's not the most popular kind of field to focus on and all that stuff. It's um, not. No, it's not. Yeah. And um, I think. You know, it all stems back to studies that were done in the 40s and 50s That's right. where everyone got the wrong idea that That's addiction right. was just about the drugs and you'd get a physical hook and you were hooked for life. That's right. So then, all right, well, all we have to do is take someone away from the drug yeah. for an extended period of time and then they'll be fine. Yeah. And yeah. That, that's just sort of, you know, that's a simple way of putting it, but that's yeah. kind of how that traditional rehab industry has been built. That's right. And, and that's kind of how it's really hard there's when i'm talking to people now there's like it's like a two-step process it's like first having if it's like a family member educating them on that this isn't like a life sentence for their loved one or for the person that's going through it or whatever and then this is how you can actually get some help this is how you do it and all this kind of stuff so yeah it's really cool to see some big shifts coming um it is shifting don't you think i think so i think it is it's exciting and I, i have i've had this experience so many times where like what you just said there i might be speaking to a, a mum or a dad or someone on the phone mm. um, I had one the other day it was a mum call up and I was just talking her through stuff and then I just mentioned you know hey because her son or daughter I can't remember was, it, was addicted to ice yep. and, and I said to her you know, I said something about me being addicted and she goes oh you're you're clean now I'm like yeah she goes and you're you're like okay I'm like yeah I'm fine <laughs> like I'm, I'm really good and then she just burst into tears yeah and I'm like what's happening are you okay and she goes oh, I just didn't understand that that was a possibility. Yeah. And then I'm like, 
God, that, that makes you think like what our media and everyone oh, are no. feeding people to make them think that they've lost their son or daughter forever because they become a drug addict. That's right. Yeah, um, unfortunately, like it's really interesting when you go back and you look at all the, and it starts from good old America, but all the um, kind of political campaigns and stuff that, addiction or drug use has fueled and kind of you know you start to realize that um unfortunately drug use in particular but addiction as a whole like with alcohol and everything is probably more about like historical stuff and political stuff rather than um yeah the health aspect itself well, that's <laughs> yeah, that's what the whole war on drugs has been about oh, no. it's been cultural and political and, yeah and i think gabor mate says it's not a war on drugs it's a war on drug addicts that's right who are the most in pain people in society yeah and yeah like that mum i'll speak to it makes me think i'm like it's not their fault it's just getting this misinformation now makes a family think they've lost that family member forever so the way they now interact with their addicted son or daughter mm. comes from a really fear-based and weird place yeah as opposed to seeing the potential of who they can be and, and them coming out the other side when they deal with their stuff yeah and it's really interesting because i guess um something else that i feel like shifting to which is really cool is um uh the kind of theoretical models around understanding addiction you know because for a long time it's been um and at one point actually i believe this too that yeah you're kind of almost broken forever and there's this um existential thing almost like a demon or something <laughs> that's um gonna follow you around for life even if you're um on the right track and in recovery and clean and, and sober or just doing whatever you're doing and you've turned your life around you're still um like really sick and you have to be on guard all the time or else you know things could get out of control and which is a really horrible way to live actually yes, it is so that's a that's a belief system that isn't necessarily true but if we believe it it becomes our reality that's right so if i have this belief that says I'm going to have cravings for the rest of my life and, you know, I've just yeah. got to try and get through, then that'll happen. Yeah. And so and so many people have that belief because, yeah, that's what we've been mm. told. And, and I think that blocks a lot of people as well, actually, initially, because they think, why should I even, you know, this is going to be so hard for my whole life. <laughs> and, and the benefit won't be that great. That's right. Because I'll just go back to being that person who feels a void in their life and needing to fill it with drugs, that's but now right. I won't have the drugs. That's right. <laughs> so I'm going to go back to this uh, mundane or boring or struggling existence. So why would I bother that's getting right. clean in the first place? And so it takes... Yeah. It takes so many people understanding the difference and talking about yeah. it until the actual because there's like beliefs we have as a, uh, an individual human like i've got a set of beliefs and they govern my life basically what yeah. i think about myself You're in right. the world yeah but then there's group beliefs so there's yeah. what a culture thinks a mm. society thinks and we adopt sort of the mainstream belief and so for so long our society has had this belief that addiction is so hard to get out of. It can be a life sentence. You're going to have that demon over your shoulder for the rest of your yeah. life. So everyone that doesn't really have a belief about addiction just absorbs that belief. Yeah. And it's what they have. And then you have to really do a lot of work to break it. Yeah. So I don't know when it's going to be. It could be five years, 10 mm. years, could be fucking 100 years. I hope not. But as soon as that group belief shifts then all of a sudden people that are growing up and the kids who don't have many beliefs about addiction or haven't experienced it, yeah. they'll absorb the belief that, oh, 
addiction just means someone's really struggling and needs to deal with their past pain yeah. and you can get past it and you will get past it and you could be happier, more peaceful than you've ever been before. Yeah, That's when things change big time, I believe. Yeah, I agree. And for me, it's really exciting um, and kind of part of the benefit which I've been enjoying of doing some of this um, professional work. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of really smart people kind of coming into the space. So I'd encourage anyone to check it out um, down at Monash University. They've, I don't know if you've seen it, they've opened this huge thing called Brain Park. It's really cool and it's... I read something, I was reading yeah. something recently. Yeah, fill us in. What's it's it so about? cool. So I spoke to the guys down there and yeah, basically it's um, the neuroscience department of Monash Uni um, and the guys, they're kind of, they crack me up, you know, they're like um, research rock stars, you know, they're kind of... Um, super smart um but really cool as well <laughs> um yeah which is cool and they've set up this i think it's like a six million dollar facility it's awesome um and they're basically trying to get the evidence behind um and start to establish like a strong um evidence base about what happens in the brain with addiction and how your brain can i guess repair itself through different lifestyle interventions so yeah they're actually trying to put um i guess some of the um evidence behind you know things like so they've got like a meditation and mindfulness room there they've got virtual reality um uh, which i might add has been really successful some of this virtual reality stuff with um obsessive compulsive disorders and stuff like that um i was was watching one thing once they were sort of in its infancy and it will get a lot mm, better yeah and there was like and yeah, the OCD stuff's meant to work pretty well. And then there's the phobia stuff, which I think works as well, but they use it like an exposure therapy. So Yes, that's what so it is, yeah. I, I fucking hate spiders. Yeah. So in my instance, they would have me in the virtual reality thing and my hands are on the table. But obviously, if I my hand will stay on the table because it's virtual reality. That's right. And I'll have like a spider crawl across your hand and that's that right. kind of thing and then happen again and again. That's right, I'm yeah. Like, fuck that. And they've had real success with um, the um, obsessive compulsive disorder mm. stuff with um, that exposure therapy through the virtual reality, which yeah. is so cool. And then, Is there anything to do with neurofeedback there? Uh, so in what way? So they, I, I've been quite interested in neurofeedback lately, which yep. is um, there's different modes of it. They, they treat things like uh, anxiety, depression, yep. OCD, whole different um, pieces but basically it's like you're wearing the sensors on your head so you're getting a map of what your brain's doing yeah what areas are lit up how it's functioning and then based on an algorithm it'll know when your brain is getting sort of out of out of coherence or you're about to go down a bad yep. path yeah and then it will you wear earphones with some music on and the, the music will glitch every time that your brain is about to go down a path that wow. it's not beneficial for it. Yep. And so it's sort of training your brain to keep coming back to a better brainwave and more coherent yep. brain. So I think they are doing that. They've got, um, so yeah, they've got the yoga and mindfulness um, room. They've got the um, VR room. They've even got like a gaming kind of thing as well. Um, but then downstairs, which is really cool, which I think that's what you're cool. exp- yep. explaining is that they've got this massive screen um, and it's like incorporated with exercise um, and yeah they're basically like chasing kind of avatars and I think it has something to do with when different stuff's happening in the brain different things change yeah. in the avatar so that that's that's I think next level to what I'm talking about because it's actually an actual game experience yeah. and the game you play in the game you are getting rewarded in the game yes. based on your brain being in the right brainwave and yeah so it's really it's really cool and um, yeah they've got it up and running and I think they've got 
Um, so yeah, people coming through and um, using the program and the facilities, and at the same time they'll have researchers there with them and all that stuff. So so exciting, and it's things like that that just because um, I think that's the thing that's lacking in this space is that there's a lot of awesome theories, um, but unfortunately there's not a lot of kind of uh, hard evidence to back it up. Um, and I think if people like what they're doing at Monash and others start to do this stuff they'll really kind of find out yeah how to which is so important because the stuff of what's going on in the brain it's just a fucking guess at the minute and one of the things that gets taught i learned it at tafe i've learned it in different courses that i've done through the government bodies yeah is absolute bullshit like if you're an ice addict then you will ruin your dopamine system in your brain mm. and your dopamine levels won't return to normal for 18 months to two years down mm. the track after you stop. Mm. Absolute garbage. Okay, It was based on one study, which is a really rubbish study, yeah. but they latched onto it because I think it's a good scare tactic for people not to yeah. use. Yeah. But it's horseshit. Yeah. It's absolute rubbish yeah. you know, to think that that far down the track it's going to take for your brain to return to normal. Yeah. Like my personal story, a lot of people we work with, once it's out of your system physically in 10 to 14 days, yeah. we've had people be more happy and more peaceful than they've ever been at any point in their life. Yeah, <laughs> It just doesn't make any sense. And then a lot of people will say, well, people have had lower dopamine who take drugs mm. and it's the drugs that are doing this. And it's like, well, did they have low dopamine before they started mm. using drugs? Yeah, And you can't do that. You can't do a study to measure that because you'd have to brain scan yeah. a healthy person then get them addicted to drugs <laughs> and then scan them again. So you, you're making these blanket calls that aren't necessarily true. Yeah. And then it's like, okay, well, if someone has low dopamine, is that due to the experiences they've been through in life and yep. now they want to reach for a drug? Yeah. Or is there some sort of faulty mechanical part of their brain which automatically oh now i'm just producing less dopamine yeah that's i don't right. think that's the case but that tends to be what the medical yeah model turns to and it's and it's just like I, I agree with you and it's just really hard with stuff that you don't agree with um because and the, again that's why i'm excited is because a lot of this stuff um the evidence will slowly over the next five years start to catch up and i i think we're going to have really different ideas about how to approach this stuff and um, move through it. The encouraging thing, just to let everyone know as well, though, is Australia is super progressive. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, and, yeah, we probably have some of the uh, world's kind of out-of-the-box thinkers on this stuff, which is cool um, from That's what great. I've seen anyway. So, And I think we, <clears throat> we need a lot of this stuff and these people to be researching it because it's one thing for us to be sitting here going, oh, it's this and this. It's like, oh, it's just a couple of old drug addicts talking about their That's <laughs> right. experience. That's so we right. need stuff to be validated and yeah. proven. But I agree, I think in the next five years, things will be very different mm. to how we see drugs. And and for me, you know, it's been um, completely uh, transformational in my life over the last few years, really, because I, I sort of, which is great. And this is the thing, it's going to be combining some of the old with the new as well, because there's lots of stuff that I did that helped me heaps. Um, but yeah, I had that belief that I was kind of going to be broken forever <laughs> and that I constantly had to be like super duper vigilant with all this stuff and whatever. But um, yeah, and I've actually been able to change that belief in the last few years and it's just been amazingly kind of freeing. Um, How'd you change that belief? Well, you know what? Um, and it actually came from some of the old principles um, that I was kind of taught 
in recovery, which a big part of that was kind of open-mindedness. And I've always been naturally really curious and it really, um, it really, are you allowed to swear on here? You can say what the fuck you want. <laughs> okay, cool. It really um, fucked with my mind actually when I first kind of started to have that slight shift in my belief system about me. Um, and yeah, uh, but it was just through open-mindedness and I, I'm pretty into like reading and stuff now, you know, hated school, but I just, I'm naturally very curious. I read a lot and I started to read all these like kind of scientific papers, meet different people, talk to people and um, that actually have kind of qualifications behind them and would know, you know, and yeah, I just actually started to understand that people out of everyone in the world, there's actually not a definite understanding of addiction. Like no one actually knows for sure what happens and stuff like that. And that was kind of the starting point of me completely shifting everything. And then, yeah, I started to read and speak to different people, hearing people like yourself, heaps of other people. And it's been amazing, you know? I've just been, um, the main thing is kind of like the freedom from just this underlying fear being inside me all the time. um, That, yeah, it's just totally freeing and not to think that I'm just broken all the time, really, yeah, you know. But um, you're curious and open-minded. That's that's which, how it happened, which, yeah. Yeah, which can break through a lot of that black and white thinking. That's right. Because when, when we're, yeah, especially when we're going through addiction, we get really black and white with things. Yeah, that's right. Well, this is how this is. This is how I am, right? And, and we're closed off from anything yeah. then. I think it's one of the most important things that you can have with addiction issues, but just in life in general, actually, is... Um, yeah, open-minded and just kind of being an open, open canvas because yeah. you can always change then and um, yeah. survive, really. Yeah, I think Yeah, I think most of us get caught in – we're in complete denial. So it's like, I'm not a drug addict. Yeah. Like, I don't have a problem <laughs> when clearly we fucking do. Or if we've admitted it, we're like, well, yeah, I'm an addict and this is why. Yeah. And that's it. That's right. And all of a sudden every then conversation closes. Yeah. Whereas if I was curious and said, okay, I appear to be a drug addict at the minute, I wonder why I'm an addict. Yeah. At least then your mind, you can start to be open to learning about yourself. That's right. Yep. 100%. Yeah. It's funny before you're saying um, that we are quite progressive and have a lot of open minds when it comes to this mm. stuff. That brings me to the next topic, which is, I think, quite closed minded pill testing. Oh, it's, yeah. It's a bit of a uh, topic in the news here in Melbourne or through Australia at the minute. Yeah. Um, basically, because we had a yep. few more people in the festival season in summer down here die mm. from taking ecstasy tablets that were laced with stuff that kills people. Yeah. What are your thoughts on this debate? Oh, it's um, it's a bit frustrating. It, re- it reminds me a little bit actually of the um, uh, gay marriage kind of saga that we went through. You know, it sort of seems like that 80% of the public or probably more are for the new law reform um, and having pill testing or having gay marriage and whatever. But for some reason, just in the parliament, there's uh, blocks and uh, a hold up. And I think it comes, I really just think it comes down to exactly um, what we talked about before in terms of drugs and alcohol being used as a political tool really to um, win votes and scare the shit out of everyone. Um, And that kind of hardcore law and order authoritarian approach to um, politics it's proven over history unfortunately that it wins votes you know um in in some ways but i think things are really kind of changing and i feel like it's actually gonna um get over the line so looks like new south wales are digging their heels in a little bit Mm -hmm. there but i think it, it just becomes one of those things where um 
that politician will probably die on their sword a little bit. Um, and yeah, everywhere, everywhere else in the country will do it eventually and then It'll they'll fall into line. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> do you think it comes down to the people who are against it? I get frustrated as well. I was, I think we were at a cafe on Monday and I was reading, there was an editorial in the Herald Sun. Yeah. I, co- I couldn't finish it. I had to just close the paper. I'm like, I get too fucking angry reading yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. Because it was some of the, you know, they were saying, you know, pill testings are just a horrible idea mm. and we need to, we should get rid of the festivals. Because it's the festivals that make kids take drugs. <laughs> yeah. I think the people who are against it aren't mature enough to admit that most of our youth are going to be trying drugs. Yeah, that's right. Um, I tell people this all the time. When I go into, um, I've been doing a lot of like talks in um, professional forums and stuff like that. The first thing I tell everyone is that like the reason why people take drugs and why most people in the world have actually tried drugs including alcohol it's because it's fucking good (laughs) it feels good it's fun whatever you know and that's why people do it um so you're never going to stop that i think we've proven time and time again that yeah this law and order approach doesn't actually if it stopped people using drugs or stopped harms and all that stuff great let's keep going with it but it's proven it doesn't (laughs) yeah i mean uh, nearly a hundred years into the drug war and mm. addiction's only gotten worse in a hundred years. If you if this was this is like the greatest failure of all time. Yeah. However, it's a massive success for politicians, for lawmakers, That's right. for privatized prisons. So yeah. it's it's just who it's a success for. Um but yeah, I mean since we have evolved from monkeys, even when we were, before mm. we evolved from monkeys, the one constant is we've been trying to alter our consciousness through substances. Yeah, that's right. Um, we are curious. Yeah. We seek novelty. Mm. And the vast majority of people, of kids who try drugs, won't become addicted or that's won't right. develop a dependence. That's right. Now, for some reason, the older generation or certain people in parliament can't acknowledge that. And actually people have to understand by... Um, I think anyway, um, there's probably evidence out there, I'm sure, but by actually having that approach of like, don't use pills because you'll be a drug addict, I think that actually kind of creates this mistrust amongst people because when they take it, I was telling someone this the other day with ice and stuff, um, you know, I thought I was going to instantly throw chairs through windows and stuff and it's just not the case. Um, And that, yeah, it actually creates this mistrust uh, towards authority or towards um, services that can help you down the line because you just think that they're feeding you some more bullshit. <laughs> so everything, it's yeah. like, um, yeah, our parents could tell us that just due to a lack of information. The current drug education in schools, yeah. which I think, don't get me started on scare <laughs> campaigns with schools, they've been proven, re- scientifically studied, they don't yeah. work. They either do nothing or make the problem worse. Yeah. So if you go in and you got people, a former drug addict going into a school telling them all the dangers, you should never do, not even once, I think it's one of the fucking campaigns. It drives me mental. But they're doing it for the right reasons. But you go in and tell yep. people not even once and if you do it, this is going to happen, then kids go out and try drugs. Like, hey, that didn't happen. So every other message that they told me, That's I'm right. going to completely disregard That's right. because they've bullshitted me on this point. Yeah, 100%. 100%. Yeah. And I think um, as well... It's definitely, you know, I go into internet rabbit holes and stuff and watch a lot of this stuff, but it's definitely a big thing in America. And, um, you know, it kind of brought it up for me before when you were talking about um, reading the Herald Sun and um, people being open-minded and all that kind of stuff. I think like as a whole country ourselves and as a group of people rather, that we've really lost that ability to have um, 
a rational kind of conversation like it's actually okay for people to have varying points mm. but you need to be able to hear both sides in a rational kind of um setting and the way that the media is kind of structured these days and because the internet is kind of disrupting everyone um i think it's a really interesting conversation you know you you can actually just watch what you want to watch you know and there's no sort of pushback from another point of view which is really important because back in the day you know maybe there was three channels um and you were kind of forced in some way to watch something that may not have been directly aligned with your beliefs and values and stuff um but now yeah you can just kind of look up what you want when you want and then all of a sudden you're just only getting one perspective and one point of view and it really kind of divides people yeah um, particularly politically and stuff. It's really interesting. It can, yeah. It can go one of two ways. Yeah, yeah. it can go that way. But then mm. it also we can get all this different information that's now right. and we can start to realise that what I've read in the paper or watched on TV, maybe that's not correct or I should question that. That's right. Because you could have an idea like someone who's just read papers or watched news and have an idea about mm. addiction or ice addiction that's and right. have one idea or they can listen to us talk now with a very different view and I don't, you know, have a producer in the room telling me not to talk about certain things That's or telling right. you not to swear. That's right. That's <laughs> how we want. So you can get all this different information. But yeah, I get that. Yeah. You can get that uh, confirmation bias yeah. where you'll yeah. just keep listening and watching things that confirm what your current thoughts are about a topic. Yeah, that's right. And uh, I think, you know, um, the conversation around the pill testing also has to expand um, and if we could just actually be more open and talk about the issue, you know, there's all the evidence behind it is there. And from my personal experience, I know it as well, is that if someone actually overdoses on drugs, it's usually because it's a cocktail of drugs. It's not one drug in particular. Yep. And that's kind of what happens in festival, you know, uh, at festivals, like people might be on a gut full of alcohol, uh, have a pill and have something and else. And then that's cut with PMA or something. That's right. Die, yeah. And it pushes them over the edge. And if there was avenues for people just to actually understand what they were taking, you know, um, if you put a pill in and it had rat poison in it, even if I was kind of heavily addicted, I reckon I would think twice yeah. about taking it, you know? Um, so yeah. yeah and it's, I, yeah, it's yeah. true. And if people knew like, uh, in the States, maps have got, MDMA assisted psychotherapy yep. for PTSD up to, it's it's getting fast tracked through the FDA yep. um, to be approved so MDMA clinics are going to be opening up in the states probably in 2022 uh, cool. if if not 2021 yep to so they'll give people pure MDMA and then have them sit with a therapist and talk about their traumatic experiences okay so if ecstasy or the which is MDMA that's yeah. the, the ingredient if that was toxic in killing people, would you think they'd be giving it to fucking war veterans uh, <laughs> as part of a therapy and that kind of thing? It's yeah. not. It's because this stuff's pushed into the black market mm. and it's cut with all sorts of shit that we get into strife. Yeah. And yeah, it's the whole conversation around it is so interesting. I love all that stuff. Can't wait for when it happens. I reckon it's going to help a lot of people, even with the um, hallucinogenics uh, along the same lines. You know, they're going to, they're trying to get that back. Um, to using that for people that yeah experience severe mental health yeah. issues and trauma. They're starting and stuff a like trial that. in I think it's in Melbourne. Wow! Because they did a trial uh, a couple of years back in the states with psilocybin, which is the active component in magic mushrooms. Yep. For people who are in palliative care, so people nearing the end, 
about yeah. to die to see if it can alleviate their end of life anxiety about dying. Yeah. And it was a, a raging success. Wow. It helped people get over their fear of death unbelievably. So wow. they're doing the same study here in Melbourne. I was tagged in the article a few days ago. So. And it makes sense with trauma and stuff. Like if you, if you actually go and just try and put your biases aside and listen to people that do even if it's like the illegal versions, but yeah, people that go and try ayahuasca and all that stuff, they all talk about kind of having almost like this rebirthing experience and seeing the world differently. It just makes sense that if you had severe trauma issues or mental health that it, you know, would have the potential to unlock something for you yeah. where you can see things from a different perspective. And that's what it all, that's what therapy is about. It's what it all is, <laughs> trying, to, trying to break free of our yeah. shackles of how we see the world and see yeah. things differently. That's why it's important that this stuff's studied correctly because then you get the other side where it's, you know, the shaman, you know, out in the inner city, in, yep. in, in someone's lounge room dishing out ayahuasca yeah. and then you might hear <laughs> one person who had a rebirthing amazing experience yep. but then nine others are like all over the shop and they don't know so it's, it's so uncontrolled that's right that's right yeah it's um, but yeah the whole thing is just like really cool and uh, yeah for everyone out there like just know that there is actually some really cool people um, that have I guess the abilities in terms of research and science mm. to kind of back it up that are starting really to kind of ramp all this kind of stuff up and get it going which is exciting because again it'll change so yeah, yeah. yeah. soon hopefully uh, soon yeah me too <laughs> <laughs> mate let's start to wrap things up let's just um fill people in about some of the online stuff you're doing yeah so sorry we got uh completely sidetracked I, there, I knew we? we would and I love it <laughs> um yeah so like I was saying before we we've been doing for a while now these um, videos and interviews um, around people's recovery stories and professionals in the space, a bit like what we're doing here, just to kind of get the conversation going on a broader level. And as a result of that, um, yeah, we just had so many people messaging us and um, yeah, it's kind of got quite overwhelming. So we've set up, um, I think really in terms of like addiction stuff i haven't seen much i think it's australia's first that's what i'm saying anyway i don't think the world's first world's first universe's first no (laughs) that's right i'm going with it intergalactic (laughs) first um but yeah so um we've set up like a online we're calling an addiction treatment program and look it's not meant to replace um like rehabs or in-person services or anything like that but um, like we are talking about before, unfortunately, the reality is is that for whatever reason, people don't want to go away from their families. They're super anxious about going and talking to someone. They have a lot of fear about what recovery is and about themselves. Um, and they just don't make it to any help or any resources. So, yeah, we, we wanted to be able to just direct people somewhere where they can get something substantial, bridge the gap, learn it in a way that is kind of conducive to that state you know you don't really want to be sitting there reading a book when you're off your face and so we've got an automated um video program really that goes over six weeks um that people can tune into from the comfort of their own home and obviously you know we give you some resource manuals and um exercise questions and and is this for people that are addicted is it also for people that have a loved one who's addicted yeah so um we also uh the loved one side of it um with Matt and Glenn who have also been on this. So Glenn from Youth U programs. Glenn and Munso and Matt Nettleton from Reframe Therapy. That's right. So um, 
because then what started happening is getting so many families um, calling and contacting and that's a whole piece you could do a whole episode in that as well yeah. as i'm sure you've done but um yeah there's a family program it's called the family you program where you can go on and um uh, basically get linked in with other families that are going through it and do an actual program with Glenn and Matt um, to help you to understand the problem, identify enabling, you know, a bunch of stuff like that too. So, um, yeah, it, it's just trying to basically open up the lines of communication. Um, but the online program that's through my website um, is um, – just for people going through addiction and stuff like that. Um, and how do people access that? So they can just go to our website. Um, w- I'll reel it off. www.realdrugtalk.com.au um, Yeah, and you can just click and follow the links and super easy to get involved in. And yeah, you just get put into the membership area. And look, the, the idea is, is just to, you know, the biggest thing that people always talk about when they turn their lives around is making that first step you know um because if you don't make the first step you don't have a chance really so no, you don't. <laughs> um yeah I, I think it's it would be really cool if we could our goal actually is to in some form or another is to get uh, a million people across the world onto the online programs um and we've across got the galaxy across the galaxy <laughs> that's right um we've got some other options on there as well and it's just like super cheap um and maybe it can just build you up to towards changing your life there and then or going to that next step and going to a service and getting some help so either way getting that kind of information education maybe realizing something about yourself that you might have realized before that's right and if it is the first step then that's amazing because like you said if you're not taking the first step you're just standing still and nothing happens that's right and don't worry everyone it's not just me for the whole uh i'm the majority but it's not just me there's we've got um we we tried to do a bit of holistic it would be good actually to get ryan on there um we want to constantly update it but yeah we've got a sports scientist on there that talks about like health and fitness and stuff um, and we've got Professor Nicole Lee, who's um, really down with all the stuff that we just talked about, actually, um, and really big in the addiction policy space and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, there's a few different avenues and constantly updating it. So we've got to get you on there. Yeah, hey, whenever you're ready. I'm not a <laughs> professor, but... Well, it doesn't matter. You're a professor. I've got a PhD <laughs> in keeping it real. That's right. <laughs> uh, Jack, if there's one message from today's chat that you want people to take away, what, that, what would that message be? Oh, great question. Uh, Just threw that one at you. Keep an open mind. Um, that's what I was going to say. Yes. Love it. Yes. Yeah, so be curious. Yeah? That's right. Any, Whatever stage you're at, whether you're really feeling like you want to turn something around, you've turned it around, what you don't use drugs you just know people that use drugs whatever just keep an open mind and you'll be amazed at how things can change from there yeah i think it's so good like the more the more work i've done on myself the last three years i've done that much fucking therapy and stuff (laughs) so the more i now understand about myself the more curious i become about myself yeah because the more we know the more we realize we don't know about ourselves yeah and i think just having that open mind means we can make incredible change and we won't be so stuck in that black or white thinking and yep. like we know everything because imagine if we did know everything how fucking boring would life be i know <laughs> jack nagel from real drug talk thanks for coming in mate thanks for having um, me again that was awesome round three will come up soon enough and 
yeah, thanks, mate. I love all that you're doing. I encourage people to check out the website, realdrugtalk.com.au. .au, yeah. .au, and um, just check Jack out and his programs, all that kind of stuff. Drop him a line at info at Real Drug Talk. Info at Real Drug Talk, that's it. Yeah. .com.au as well. .com.au. Beautiful. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. Have a beautiful day. Have a beautiful week. Peace. Out. Another episode in the books. Thank you so much for tuning in. That was an amazing chat with Jack. He's just a, a great guy to talk to, really, really knowledgeable about everything to do with drug and alcohol rehab and everything in this space. And I'm really excited with what he's doing with his online programs. Please go and check them out, them out at realdrugtalk.com.au. Get in touch with Jack. And that is it for this episode. Thank you all for tuning in. It is said the greatest gift one human being can give to another is the gift of their attention. And I thank you so much for that. I will see you on the next episode. Peace out. Shift Shift. happens. I can't. I can't. I can't. What we do in life echoes in eternity. eternity.